it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome back to the flagship show of the Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet Network. Easy for me to say, as I'm stumbling over my words there, this is yet another ESSR Central and, well, it usually descends into a farce, so we might get into it right away. My name is Ross McLeod. I am joined. I mean, it's always a party when your mum forces you to bring your brother to hang out <laughs> with your mathematicians. So, I mean, Scott, David and Stephen, how are you? <laughs> Uh, we're grand. Thanks for those witty responses, guys. It's going to be a laugh a minute. Here we go. Anyway, <laughs> we could decide who's going to go first. So, no, we're, we're before forced to fucking go back virtually because Ryan Gallagher apparently has other priorities. So, yes, we'll we'll move on from that. Anyway, um, if you want to listen to a massive back catalogue, including a full two shows when we were in a shiny studio, and you can listen to our back catalogue, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Spotify, on all good Android podcasting sites, and of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Get involved in the conversation. Our big question this week, we'll be getting your answers from last week about Bray Wyatt and his WWE situation, and we'll be looking forward to a massive weekend of wrestling Four pay-per-views from the three big North American companies. Uh, on I'm just going to run down. On Friday, we've got a live AEW Rampage from Vegas. We've got the Go Home Smackdown for Clash of Champions. We've got Impact Under Siege on Saturday. At a, a goddamn half-decent time for us British viewers. We've got Night of Champions. You know... Night of Champions asterisks because not every title is on the line. We've got Night of Champions, and then on the Sunday, we've got WWE and AEW going head to head. We've got AEW's Double or Nothing, and we've got NXT Battleground. But let's start with possibly the biggest pay per view of the weekend. We're going to crown a new World Heavyweight Champion this Saturday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. WWE's Night of Champions, yeah. Stephen, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins. How are you feeling about this? I think it's actually a good build to it. I think it's been pretty solid how they've actually done it, even though Seth's he's not been on TV for two weeks, so they've kind of done a good job in, in that aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, aside from the obvious fact that it's meant to be a title that's not going to be on SmackDown and they've got a SmackDown guy competing for it, yeah, I've been quite happy with how it's went so far. 
It doesn't help though that AJ himself, um, who basically came out and said, "Yeah, this is pretty much secondary to this because no one else has beaten Roman." Uh, he clearly heard our first yeah. uh, recordings in the studio, and that you know the execution surrounding this revamped World Heavyweight Championship is basically playing second fiddle to Roman because he's not either he's not defended the championship or just nobody can beat him. So it's, I think it's kind of diminished it a little bit, but I think there's still room for maybe a last-minute twist, which I'm really hoping does happen at the show. It's at least good that I the mean, two guys fighting yeah. for it haven't lost to Roman during this reign, which is always good. Yeah, that, that is very true. But guys, I mean, David, you mentioned about our recording. I mean, it's all right when a couple of wrestling nerds like ourselves get round and start going, oh, this title isn't as important. But see, when the guy who's meant to be selling the match goes, I ah, can't be asked, mate, that kind of diminishes the fact. So, yes, um, ah. we did talk, obviously, last week that the reason WWE included SmackDown in the tournament was because uh, the NBA playoffs are currently taking place. That is a big... Uh, it takes away a lot of viewers, so WWE were trying try to keep a lot of eyes on SmackDown during that time. However... Guys, I don't think any one of us here, despite being AJ Styles fans, thinks that AJ Styles is walking out. This seems set up to be a Seth Rollins title, Scott. Yeah, definitely. AJ's going to lose it, and judging by recent comments, he's going to go, fine, then why aren't you stupid belly anyway? Because, what's funny enough, you said like neither of them have lost to Roman yet. It does feel like if you're going to insist on keeping the belt on Roman until like maybe Mania next year, which certain rumours are saying that's going to be the case, a uh, few months of bloodline VOC with AJ going up against Roman, maybe heading into Minor Bank or SummerSlam, would be a solid program to tie things over, ironically. So it may not have lost yet, but been any longer on SmackDown with Roman, AJ's probably going to be another victim of Roman's title reign. Uh, David, it probably points towards you know a, a very good program, AJ Styles and the OC going up against the bloodline. And maybe why... Uh, AJ Styles shouldn't be saying, oh yeah, this is a consolation prize. Yes, I mean, he's effectively just taken a, a massive gargantuan shit on this huge, on this uh, very, actually very nice looking World Heavyweight title. And, you know, the WWE's gone out their way, you know, maybe to appease a section of the audience that have been clamouring for, you know, a world champion that they can be proud of. And, you know, it gives an alternative to Reigns, but it doesn't really solve the Reigns problem that, you know, his, his title reign is going to pass a thousand days. People, like some of us were saying prior to WrestleMania that is a thousand days really what they're going for or are they going to end the story with Cody Rhodes? But, you know, that you can't change what's happened in the past. And now I think they're trying to make amends to some extent. But we've said it before, the execution's been pretty poor. And I think it's our initial thoughts of it being a consolation prize is certainly echoed uh, with AJ's comments and you know having Rollins pre-tape those interviews beforehand as well at least it gives him you know some subtlety and some you know some investment in wanting to become the world heavyweight champion because obviously he's got filming commitments going on in the background but I just feel like there's something missing you know something that will really you know make this a shock, give this a, a reason that people remember it for shock value. Stephen, is there anything you think could maybe help build up this excitement, maybe add some shock value? Because 
I think we all think Seth's going to win. He's the Raw superstar. But as we've mentioned, he does have filming commitments uh, with uh, Captain America. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get Sam Wilson interference in this match. I think something, but if Anthony Mackie shows up, that'd be fucking brilliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's that, yeah, the, the only thing I have a doubt is obviously that is, I mean, we don't know how long he's going to be doing that. I mean, it can take off. It can be, look at Dave Batista, you know, he was meant to come back right after filming Guardians, you know, that was nine years ago. And we only saw him briefly. So you, there is apparently a bit of trepidation about putting it on him. Apparently, you know, I, I don't fully believe it. There's a lot of other stuff saying that he is Triple H's guy for the kind of building up of this title. So it's a hard one to kind of judge. I would have actually preferred, on the AJ Bloodline stuff, I would have preferred if AJ was the challenger for Roman at this pay-per-view. But instead of them rerunning the kind of Bloodline versus KO and Sammy again, but we are where we are. Well, let's talk about that because I think... Um... The World Heavyweight title build, a lot of that has been the fact that there is a new world title. Um, the tournament has been good, but they've not really brought the guys together. But on Roman Reigns' 1,000th day as WWE Undisputed Universal Champion, he is going up, uh, he's teaming with Solo Sokoa uh, to go up against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, undefeated bar one match since they won the tag team titles lost the six-man backlash. That led to Roman scalding the Usos for failing to win back the WWE tag team titles. Solo got the pin in that match, and Solo and Roman are now going up against the Bloodlight, eh, against KO and Sammy. Scott, I'm going to put this out there. There might not be anything shocking eh, happening in the World Heavyweight Championship match, but I'm going to put it out there now. On Roman Reigns' 1,000th day as WWE Champion, Roman Reigns gets pinned. Oh, oh, interesting. You know, Ross, tell me people listening to your show, I think you, you're to blame for this. You did this. You made <laughs> the arguments on Central. Oh, but Winter, imagine, a 1,000 days, a 1,000 days. And now look where we are. He's coming up to a 1,000 days. And like, unlike other past champions, when they better hit a milestone, like, oh, but can they get past this big, important tail defence? No, we've not even got a Roman tail defence. We've got this, which I'm sure will be great. And I think it would be interesting if Roman got pinned, because it could lead to a Sammy-Roman rematch at some point, or a Sammy-Kyo rematch down the line. And also would help with the continuing fracture with the bloodline. So it'll be a great story piece match. But yeah, I think if you have any sense, don't put two more bloody belts on Roman, otherwise he can't carry them anymore. Like, it's looking like the Tide division on like Raw is actually heating up because like, you and Sammy outside this have got bloody Judgment Day and Imperium to deal with as well Yeah, David I I think I, I, I know the fear I know the fear people have I know the Romans wins lol sort of things that we've got going on here However I do think and WWE are bringing a lot of stars who aren't booked on the show to Saudi, I think the Usos will try to appease Roman, cost Roman the title, and Roman Reigns has just been advertised for Money in the Bank. I think we're going to get the Usos versus Solo and Roman at Money in the Bank, okay? Not for the titles, just a bloodline split. What, what, what yeah, yeah. I've seen rumours of that actually spreading across Twitter. 
And to be honest, I'm not against the idea because the dissension amongst the bloodline seems to be the new angle, the, the long-term story that they're working with up until at least SummerSlam. And I think this could just be another like another stepping stone of that of what happens there because the storytelling you could work with you know you put bloodline against bloodline family against family there's a lot of potential to be had there on the build to SummerSlam. you know you could have roman defending the title against one of the one of the brothers he hell he could defend against solo you know if solo decides to align himself with his with his two brothers because that would be pretty cool and you remember the reaction that um Roman showed on SmackDown when he accidentally bumped into Solo after scolding the Usos. Like you could cut the tension with a hot knife. It was it was something to behold. So it makes me wonder, you know, what's the Roman solo dynamic gonna be like following this match? But it goes to show that, you know, the more we're talking about the inner turmoil of the bloodline, it takes the focus off of KO and Sammy and the tag team championships themselves. So the story itself is becoming bigger than the championship. And I think that's what more people are interested in. Not ignoring the fact, you know, Roman's going to be a thousand days as champion. He's not defending the title and he's just been put in a tag team title match where people care more about the story. But I suppose then that is more focused on the revival of the World Heavyweight Championship. So in, in a way it makes sense, but you got you got to put more focus on the story with this rather than the title. Yeah, I was about to say, Stephen, I saw you agreeing with me about the 1,000 day and Roman getting pinned. But also, to what David said, I, I don't have a problem with the title not being defended as long as the story leading up to it and the eventual payoff is good. Yeah, definitely. I, I really agree with you. I think as well, there's currently really not a really... We're still post-draft you know, and there's not they've not built a credible candidate really to kind of go against them. So I'm happy for this kind of story to be the one that goes along with it. Uh, the idea of Roman getting pinned is interesting because I don't think it's a good idea if they're going to lose for Solo to get pinned. They've just built Solo back up as that kind of guy after they took a couple of defeats to Cody Rhodes around about WrestleMania. Uh, having Sami Zayn do it would be an interesting one because it would add him into the equation in the future to have another go at Roman. He's been very vocal, obviously, in the build-up to this match about, about him about being better than Roman Reigns. So for him to actually beat him, as what many people thought should have happened in February, would make things interesting. Although I do think probably the only loser in that situation is WWE's brand split, which is already buggered uh, last yeah. night on Raw when they decided to, to casually have Shotzi Blackheart come out and save Raquel, you know, they've got about a million women on that Raw roster now, you know, but let's bring the one over from SmackDown. Why not? She's not a free agent, but let's put her there. <laughs> hey, let's, let's put a team together on Raw of Candice LeRae and Nikki Cross, but let's not include them in the tag titles. Bring on the SmackDown girl. Come on, guy. <laughs> bring it on, down. Let's just put them in. Can you imagine Nikki Cross a part of Can you imagine... Can you imagine Nikki Cross as part of the way? No, thank you. Moving on. No, she's, uh, had, a, she, she's had her own stable. Don't put her in another one. If she's <laughs> going to be in a stable, bring the sanity guys back, stick them somewhere. But no, 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 not in the way. No, it's not oh, the way. 
this week, they had two mystery people angles, and both of them were equally as disappointing. Yet, who will be Raquel's partner next week? Oh, look, it's shots here. Oh, who will be the team with Sammy and Kevin against Imperium? Everyone's rumour like, could it be Drew McIntyre? It's Matt Riddle. Of course, it's fucking Matt Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> or could it I be mean, the guy who's been with them for six weeks? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and talking of, like, you know, Shotzi, like, mind and the big question, he said, a good few of us said Shotzi was a waste of a TV pick. Like, Purter's a, like, as you said, Rob, is a free agent. You know, that would make more sense, having her come out and assisting Raquel. But when she's been drafted to SmackDown, she should stay on SmackDown. Yeah, I agree. But, um... I think this one, WWE's advertising uh, Night of Champions as a triple main event. Uh, this isn't one of the matches they're advertising. They're advertising uh, Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar, Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and uh, the World Heavyweight Championship match. But I think this is the one that has possibly the most intrigue out of the lot of them. Yeah, I think so. I think the other ones are a wee bit foregone, in a way. I think they're quite obvious who's going to win them. I mean, I don't think the one's too too obvious, uh, but I think with this one, it's very intriguing. Like, especially the idea of Roman getting pinned because Roman's whole thing when they announced the tag match is you guys dedicated your rematch to me and you lost, and so he's dedicated it to the Welsh ones. One of them is his dad, and the Usos end up costing the match. Then the match, and Roman wants to get pinned. He's going to be angry. He can come in and say, "I dedicate this to my father, and you caused me to lose. You embarrass me, and my father." <laughs> Excuse me. No, no, it is, it is a good storyline, and Money in the Bank is just around the corner. Hopefully, hopefully, it does lead to some big matches at Money in the Bank. But let's talk about one of the three main events. He didn't finish the story, but he's in certainly another story, very, very much a comic book story of Superman going up against Doomsday, Cody Rhodes, and Brock Lesnar, the rematch. This was a fantastic match, I thought, at Backlash. I thought it was a bloody, brutal affair. And Brock Lesnar, since then, has been absolutely brilliant. Last night on Raw, the get a life kid to Mustafa Ali was absolutely sensational. Brock Lesnar has been doing work here for Cody Rhodes, uh, Stephen. And I I think this is going to be the main event. I think this is... uh, Sorry, I don't think this is going to be the main event. Sorry, I think this is going to open the show. And I think it will be hard for anyone else on the card to top it, to be honest with you. Oh, it's got to open the show. Brock needs to get on his private jet and be back home uh, in record time before the main event happens. And uh, no, all jokes aside, yeah, it's um, a lot. Of, there is a lot of people that are still critical of this feud purely because of the fact that Cody didn't win the belt at WrestleMania. But it has been has been good, as you mentioned. Brock looks. To be on to to be enjoying this stuff with Cody, you know when Brock's enjoying it, it tends to help with any feud that he does. And um, yeah, and Cody is still over at the current point. Although last night, I think they were maybe you mentioned the kind of comic book aspect of it. I think they were maybe edging a bit too much into that when the whole ah, I'm going to overcome my injury with advice from the man whose throne I smashed. Oh, 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 four years ago. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I think Cody's got to win this. Surely Cody's got to win this. What? what where, does, where would Brock go from this one? Could you imagine if uh, Brock did beat Cody and then we get Brock versus Seth at Money in the Bank for the World Heavyweight title? I, 
I actually think Cody loses here, and I think they are going for a they're going for a trilogy. I think they'll have Cody lose. Cody takes some time off, despite not wanting to. Triple H will make him go home, and I think SummerSlam August fifth will see the finale of the trilogy. It will be Return of the Jedi, and he'll vanquish the Empire. Will Cody? <laughs> Just as, as long as we don't get like mm. maximum male models as Ewoks, I think we'll be all right. It makes loads of sense. Cody Skywalker versus Darth Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But um, well, like, Scott, well, like, sorry, well, like Cody is a big ice creature from the Star of Empire Strikes Back. Just drags him into his wee cave, <laughs> somewhere in Canada. Well, we we do have three main events on this card, but. Before we move on, I'll quickly get your predictions, guys. Do we think Brock wins and Cody t- takes the trilogy, or do we see Cody going 2-0 up? I think he goes 2-0. I think Brock gets this one in the Brock wins this one in the Lubbock trilogy. Right, so we'll get two for the trilogy, and we'll get Stephen going with 2-0 uh, Cody. Right, Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch, guys. Um... I'm for and against this being part of uh, the Night of Champions pay-per-view. Obviously, a lot is on the pay-per-view. I feel like some of it could overshadow it. However, we have been critical about WWE. A lot of the big things in the company take place at WrestleMania or the big pay-per-views. These B pay-per-views don't really tend to have an awful lot to hang on to. But they've striked while the iron's hot. It's Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Scott, is it the right call doing it at this pay-per-view? I think so. I think if I did this as one of three women's matches, shows that hopefully they're going in a positive direction with the relationship with Saudis when in the beginning they could have no women's matches and then it was just like the women's match would treat as a novelty in these shows because you're only allowed one. So it's good, especially getting a legend in like Trish Stratus. I, I like you said, Trick while the iron salt. I think there's a lot you can do with this extra early the next couple of months. I personally would actually have Trish win this match because you look at the next night on Raw, what's what they've announced, money in the bank qualifying matches. I think Trish tries to get herself in money in the bank. Be like, I'm one of these pioneers. I'm the reason you all have things like women's money in the bank. And so tries to enter. Her and Becky cost each other. You stretch on to SummerSlam where Becky gets the win. Stephen? Uh, yeah, I think Scott's called it pretty perfectly, although I wouldn't have had I wouldn't have Becky in the Money in the Bank match. I would have maybe Trish take Becky out for it and then Becky not be there. And Becky shows up Money in the Bank to cost Trish in that one. But yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting one. Uh I, I do think it's a good time to get it on the cards because I think they may struggle with I've struggled to kind of hold it out for that match to happen at SummerSlam. I think there's an, enough intrigue to have it here, and if, especially with a, somebody the level of Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch together. It's great for the whole getting more women's matches on these Saudi cards. Unfortunately, we've got Natalia in one of the matches, but hey, oh, you can't win everything, can you? <laughs> I'm sure you'll agree with me on that, though, Ross. All the SmackDown women's tail matches I've seen, this is certainly one of them. Yeah, well, well, we will. That will... The Natalia Rhea Ripley match, as much as I enjoy Rhea Ripley, will be a part of the right. Give us, give us a quick prediction, guys. And move on because I'm not giving Natalia any more airtime. Yeah, but, David, surely, 
<laughs> but David, uh, thoughts on WWE striking while the iron's hot with Trish and Becky? I can see why they're doing it at Night of Champions because I don't know how much say the Saudi government had, you know, or how much money they forked out to get Trish Stratus, you know, arguably the greatest women's wrestler of all time, and David Campbell will fight me on this. <laughs> um, it was uh, having two minds about it. Like, I get striking while the iron's hot, and, you know, WWE has made this commitment to Saudi to put on some really decent shows. It does make me wonder, though, how much, like I said, how much money have they invested trying to get Trish Stratus over and how much money is she willing to accept, you know, because, you know, it's a Saudi shows are always a massive payday for, for folk. But to be honest, I can only really see this as a one and done. You know, have Becky put over, like last time she, um, she defeated Lita for the Raw Women's title and now she's going to do the same to Trish Stratus. I think it's just going to elevate... Becky stock it puts her back in you know the top tier segments of putting her in line for like a championship match and then she could potentially win money in the bank later that year because she has expressed rumors about wanting to win money in the bank so she vanquishes Trish the Saudis get what they want you know a top female star performing on one of their shows and then she can turn her attention elsewhere but what I found was quite probably the most interesting aspect of this was the promo they cut on Raw. And uh, Becky was given it the old uh, welcome to the big time woof woof. <laughs> and we all know what that was referring to. Yeah, obviously. Um, not a very fondly remembered segment, that one. Um, I disagree we were one and done, but I do think Trish Stratus takes the win here. Scott, who have you got? Uh, I think I pretty much outlined a three month worth of booking there. Uh, <laughs> I want to go for Trish Stratus. Uh, Stephen? Yeah, I've got to go for Trish. Uh, David, you've got a one and done. Do you think Becky's taking it? Yeah, I'm going with Becky. Becky, okay. Well, you know, this, um, this is even, what's even more shocking is Stephen's going against Becky here. And he's like, I the don't biggest think, Becky Lynch Mark we know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. The, the Becky stuff is like, a, that, that was all like, pre-pandemic, you know. The minute that after, the minute, the minute that she gave birth to Seth Rollins' kid, I was like, I am, I would never, even if I had a chance, have to follow that, you know. It's like, it's like Publin, Triple H and Randy Orton, they have to follow Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. I have to follow Seth. You seen the pictures? Jesus. Anyway, moving, moving swiftly on, moving swiftly, swiftly, swiftly on, um, <laughs> Bianca uh, Belair versus Asuka, rematch from WrestleMania. Oh, God. Just end this title run of Bianca Belair already. I just... I'm getting fed up. We've, we had the never-ending reign of the Usos. We have Roman's 1,000-day reign. We have Gunther, the forever champion. We have Bianca's never-ending reign. We had Ronda and Charlotte playing hot potato. Uh, no one else coming close to them until Rhea Ripley got in there and now this one Bianca Belair and it's easily been the most boring of of the uh, reigns it's it's a good four month reign stretched out over a year and a bit Stephen yeah I think it's uh, she's crawling into Super Cena range which is uh, fair to say and it's, uh, it's a shame because Bianca is incredibly good wrestler we've seen anytime she has a match at WrestleMania she delivers but yeah they have pushed it a bit too much I personally would have ended it during the feud with damage control 
I think the fact that she literally in that ladder match demolished all three members of damage control without breaking a sweat did more damage to damage control than anything else, uh, no pun intended. Uh, I would love to see the, the end. Am I confident it's going to happen? Probably not. Probably one of the most interesting things coming out probably this match is there's a rumour apparently that uh, Asuka and the Street Pro- no, no, sorry, not Asuka. Uh, Bianca and the Street Profits are going to turn heel over the summer, which I think could reinvigorate the things and maybe seeds a bit of doubt to me, but I can't, I can't see it. I really just can't, which annoys me because I would like her to take it off because I think she'll benefit more from being the chaser again or even just being in something completely different, you know, away from the belt. Yeah, I think a heel turn certainly would help, David, because the EST gimmick, it's, it's been watered down and watered down and watered down. So much to the fact now it's, Bianca, what's your gimmick? I'm good. How good are you? I'm really good. I'm the bestest. It just sounds like a four-year-old telling you they can run really fast. I'm the fastest. I'm the bestest. Yeah, but it. I think I don't think she should turn heel immediately. I think it has to be a slow burner, like or at least up until like Money in the Bank. You know, let that time period between Play of Champions and Money in the Bank let that be the um, the boiling point, shall we say? Uh, because Asuka still gets cheered even though she's being booked as a heel. And I think that's what's going to be intriguing going forward. Because even though Asuka's been sort of internally labelled as a heel on SmackDown, people aren't necessarily going to boo her because she's just a badass. And if Bianca is going to revert back to being a heel, I hope she does it uh, to the character she had in NXT. You know, a little bit of sass, a little bit of cockiness but still dominant and powerful in the ring, just not to the point where, you know, her character was, you know, rumoured to be very much stereotyped if if the rumours were suggesting that that was the case. But, yeah, the t- she's, she's made records for the longest Raw Women's title reign, overtaking Becky Lynch in 2020. It needs, uh, it needs new blood, and Asuka's been realistically the only one that's come close to dethroning her and this new sort of uh kana-esque asuka i think would would turn a lot of heads on smackdown you know she gets convincing wins all the time and and even in her 40s you know she's she's going strong like as powerful as somebody half her age it's yeah i think asuka needs to to end the reign now that it's been recorded as the longest of of all time Scott, um, we've obviously been very critical of the of the never-ending reign. Um, you obviously mentioned you didn't like the uh, the damage control feud. Stephen obviously referenced you took out all three without breaking a sweat. Do you see a title change happening anytime soon, or do you think they'll repackage her and continue with the reign? I think if you want to do this rumoured heel turn, I think it being spawned on by the fact that she's lost a belt and it might seem like a lot of people are happy about it because you know you see she might turn heel if you ask people from Puerto Rico she's already a heel given her the reaction to her during a match with, with the Sky. yeah like they had so many points in the street where the stories where they could have ended it and now they seem to be now she's moved to Smackdown as Raw Women's Champion they seem to be repeating feuds that she's already done 
Like she's already repeating the thing where she beats all damage control like she did it back. Like she's redoing the match from Mania with Asuka. And this whole thing of Asuka being more heelish and missed her in the face in the last couple of weeks is the build who should have done it for some reason because that match had a really shit build. And like the thing with her being like, oh, she's the longest reigning Roman's champion or longest reigning women's champion in the modern era, that's fine to give her an accolade like that. But when her longest run, when her long reign is going alongside of Gunther's record breaking reign, Roman's record breaking reign, the Usos up until WrestleMania had a record breaking tag title reign. When you have all these tag t- all these title reigns being record breaking at the same time, one of them, at least a couple of them, suffer, and the one that's suffering the most is Bianca. I just I kind of hope that Asuka does win, even though most of may say that that's not going to happen because at this point, if they're at the point where they're redoing feuds, like I don't think they built anyone up to beat her. So I think they've built her up at the expense of the rest of the division. And if you turn a heel wild champion, you need to probably keep the belt on a couple more months, which is, is just going to make the rain feel even staler, even if she is a new character. Maybe, like, Punk's reign was getting a bit stale. Uh, they turned him heel, and it did give it another couple of months. Um, as you mentioned, repeating feuds there, all I could think of was SmackDown versus Raw 2007, where if you won one brand's title and went WrestleMania to WrestleMania, you would get drafted to Raw, or you'd get drafted to SmackDown, and then at the end of that year, you'd get drafted back, and it'd just be repeating the same storylines over and over. Um I'm not going to spend too much time on these next two matches. I'm just going to get predictions from you because I think they're pretty much foregone conclusions. Uh, if it wasn't before, it certainly was after last night. Uh, Ali versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. We all think Gunther? Aye, easy. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't confirmed before, Brock Lesnar telling him to get a life and Ali walking away without doing anything kind of, kind of summed it up. Um, Natalia versus Rhea Ripley for the love of God I think we all hope it's Rhea Ripley yeah. Yeah. They really, they're really just feeding our people for our first couple of feeds Bianca's just taking all comers whereas Rhea's like her thing is I'm just going to beat everybody yeah um, this, I think this makes more sense why Asuka should win the Raw Women's title because then that puts a full stop on Bianca's record breaking run then they can switch the, the titles over so that Raw can be on Raw and SmackDown can be on SmackDown. No, I absolutely hate that. I I, I really do. Um, I, I wouldn't be adverse to someone for Money in the Bank winning one of the titles and then, I don't know, fucking trading someone, but I hate the whole, let's swap the titles because it makes them interchangeable. But anyway, uh, that is Night of Champions. That'll take us on to our second of four pay-per-view previews on this podcast. AEW's Double or Nothing coming to you from the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada on Sunday, May 28, 2023. Main evented by the Four Pillars Fatal 4-Way for the AEW World Championship. MGF going up against Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy and Darby Allin. There are nine matches on this card. However, there is still time for Tony Khan to add 16 matches to the pre-show. However, at the minute, the current card is... FTR going up against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Wardlow and Christian Cage in a TNT Championship ladder match. Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm for the AEW World Championship match. The Blackpool, Blackpool Combat Club, easy for me to say, going up against the Elite in an Anarchy in the Arena match. Jade Cargill and Taya Valkyrie in a TBS Championship match. 
Uh, Ethan Page and the Guns going up against the Hardy Party. Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned match. And, I mean, a match that everyone wants to see. QT Marshall and a 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal for the International Championship. So far announced, QT Marshall, Powerhouse Hob, Aaron Solo and Orange Cassidy. I mean, I mean, it's like WrestleMania 17. Anyway, um, nine matches on the card there, guys. Let's start with the main event. Um, David Campbell described this as a match that's happening one year late or one year too early because of the situation that um, the other pillars find themselves in. Um, Jungle Boy, through no fault of his own, was in a never-ending feud with Christian. Darby Allen's been propped up by Sting and Sammy Guevara, kind of like every time they try to push Eric Rowan. It didn't work. They put him back with the Wyatt family. Every time they try to push Sammy Guevara, they've put him back with Chris Jericho. Um, Stephen, I cannot see anything other than an MGF win here. No, it's got to be, because the other three have looked like absolute chumps throughout this full thing. I mean, it's like... These two are teaming together, but they're a bit of tension. They don't like Sammy. Sammy is hanging with MGF, but now Sammy is helping the other two. And it seems to be like, what the fuck is going on, man? Honestly, God. Uh, this sh- On paper, when they had these ga- these four guys first come out and do the face-off, this should have been great. The issue is that sometimes AW have, it's one of Tony Khan's weaknesses as a booker is between the pay-per-views, sometimes it struggles to keep it going for the time it needs to be, unless it's like the top tier, like elite type stuff. And this has suffered with this. You have three guys who have shown that they're not the same level as MJF on the mic. And when you're trying to build a feud for that amount of time, it's all about the mic. Jungle Boy's actually come out the last couple of weeks and said, I don't really like uh, talking on the mic. I get quite nervous before shows and I have to talk in the mic, uh, that type of stuff. Why are you saying that before this big pay-per-view? Nobody's going to believe that you're going to win. You know, uh, Ross, you can tell I shared your enthusiasm, Ross, for this at, at this pay per view. You know, and the, yeah, the main this it's going to be an event, but it's like it's a shame because I love it. I love Jungle Boy as a wrestler. I think Darby Allen's great. Sammy can have a go fuck himself, uh, but yeah, it's just it's. I would rather the Anarchy in the Arena main event because I think that's got the better build, the better build. Yeah, it certainly has a better build. And uh, David. It's one of those ones where MGF MGF's been consistently booked throughout his tenure in AEW, whereas the other guys haven't. And it's very much been a marketing stunt, the four pillars thing. I don't think if there was if unless there was a t-shirt or unless Tony Khan said it every time there was a press conference, I really don't think people would be looking. Uh, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and Darby Allen as the four pillars of AEW. Like, MJF has just been moved to, to that next level, but he's always been a proper bastard heel ever since AEW's inception. Like, he's always been in high profile feuds with big names, you know, Chris Jericho, CM Punk, the lot, and he's always made the program you know, worth watching, just purely because of his promo skills. That's what's carried him to this stage. And people are going to want to hear what he has to say because, you know, he he talks, he delivers, you know, with an insane amount of charisma and he just insults and roasts people left, right and centre. 
Whereas you're looking at his opponents, you know, you've got Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who was, you know, the second best part of um, Jurassic Express. You've got Darby Allen, who's basically the kid who likes turtles and is at the Tony Hawk's pro skater. And you've got Mad Shagger Sammy, who's getting uh, hated because, you know, him and Tay-Tay are just never off of uh, social media, etc. I, I think that's a bit harsh on Jungle Boy, the second best part of Jurassic Express. I don't give, I mean, a, fuck, I don't give a fuck about Luchasaurus. <laughs> I know, but technically you can't have a Jurassic Express without a dinosaur. Um, so <laughs> it's like one of those old bands from the 80s where it's like such and such and the pips or like Gladys Knight and the pips or you know Billy D and the Polo Tops what one are you? I'm top number three um, you know like, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't exactly sell a match Scott is there any hope for anyone else in this match? No, I think, like you said, I think, I think in case of being a year later or a year soon, I think it's a year too soon because Jungle Boy was just coming off separating himself from Christian and Luchasaurus. He needs a few more singles feeds to build him up. Sammy hadn't done the full breakaway from Jericho yet. They'd done that angle then. I think he would have been set up. I think Darby's the most primed for this kind of match because he's been multiple-time TNT champion. He's had singles feuds and everything. He's had history with MJF for the whole headlock takeover thing from last year's full gear. And yeah, I think this this match and the booking were in this like it's, it's just indicative of the entire double nothing build. Like there's only one match on the show that I think it's got a decent build. I think because this show's been overshadowed by collision and all the stuff around Wembley and CM Punk and things like that. Where this should be, like you said, on paper a big deal like these four guys who are like the foundation of the company. But like despite the fact they've all been picked to be like the future of this company for the next five, ten years. The other three have been squabbling like, no, no, you were more handpicked. No, you were the one buddying up to people backstage and all that stuff. And yet they did the confrontation and then didn't come from the four-way from there. Like, no, they went a couple of weeks of them doing other things, came back and went through a bullshit mini-tournament to pick one number one contender only for them all to get picked. Because Tony Khan's like, no, Tony Khan has said we're going to have this tag match and they when they can be in the match because Tony's, Tony's your friend. Love me, please. <laughs> yeah, um... A bit of a crap build, and it's a shame because it seems to be whenever we try to do this type of thing in wrestling, I mean, it happened with the Shield Triple Threat. It was a great execution of Money in the Bank with Seth beating Roman, then Ambrose beating uh, Seth, but then Roman suspension and then the bullshit um, like non-finishes on Raw and SmackDown before the pay-per-view during the draft. It just... It didn't work. But anyway, well, we're not going to review all nine matches on this card because I'm, I'll be, if I spend part of my Tuesday night talking about the Hardy Party going up against Ethan Page and the what? Guns. Why is that still the going ass boys. on? Why is that thing still going on? They had that bloody ultimate deletion thing. That should have ended it. No one wants to see this. Matt Why? Hardy got to the precipice of the wrestling world with TNA and the whole broken thing, he made the mistake of going back to WWE because they wanted to cash in on Hardy Boys nostalgia. And he's been trying to reclaim it ever since. Matt, it's happened, it's done. You had a run, you made a lot of money, it's over now. I mean um, we're gonna have but, to spend us we're gonna have to spend 
Tony Khan's is trying to convince me to spend my Sunday night. This is a bank holiday weekend anyway, but I'm working on the Monday. But he's going to have to convince me to spend my Sunday night having to watch a Jeff Jarrett tag match in 2023. That blooming stable that Tony Storm's in, which is probably worse than what Tony Storm was doing in WWE before she left. And that bloody thing with you know the guns and that. I mean, Ethan Page would his contract will be owned by Hardy if he loses. So if Hardy's win, it's going to keep going, and it's never going to end until bloody Enzo Amore comes back and helps Big Casket out, and then they two become a tag team, and still no one gives a tag title shot to Proud and Powerful. Right over. Uh, I, I'm kind of done with Jeff Hardy. I think. Because I think when he came back, I was just uncomfortable with him being back so soon. Yeah. It felt like, too, you know, it'd been like several months. And then he goes on Rampage, he's retiring. He goes, no, I'm retiring from screwing up. Like, Jeff, you could have killed somebody on that road. It's like, it's not joking <laughs> about it. He's screwed up that many times. Like, huh? David, yes, you and yes. I seem to be the only ones who listened when I said I'm not spending part of my Tuesday talking about yep. Ethan Page and the guns versus the Hardy no, party. we're going to keep and, talking uh, about that all night. We're sitting, I mean, we're sitting patiently at the top of the screen like, can we move on, guys? And I'm going to move this on yeah. uh, to an unsanctioned... So, you go. Oh, yeah, unsanctioned, yes, unsanctioned, yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. I thought, I thought that would move you on quickly. Adam Cole Jericho in an unsanctioned match. Um... This is the sort of match that if it was in WWE, I would be absolutely buzzing for it. However, this is Chris Jericho in AEW. Chris Jericho loses to Ricky Starks. Where's Ricky Starks now? Chris Jericho's on the pay-per-view in a main feud. Um, I have absolutely no interest in Chris Jericho in 2023, and I include that like with the Hardy Boys and Christian and Jeff Jarrett running the whole TNA of 2008 running about um, the AEW roster, Chris Jericho is the most uninteresting thing there. However, it is great to see Adam Cole back on the big stage. You're damn right it is, baby. Uh, you know, he's been out for a good while as well dealing with that concussion and a couple other injuries here and there but in all fairness I think the story itself has actually had a decent angle to work with you know Adam Cole gets banned from the arena etc Roderick Strong his old pal from from Undisputed Era comes back to give him a hand he, he beats Chris Jericho in a Falls Count Anywhere match uh, from outside the arena which you know it doesn't uh, fall under the ban which I thought was quite good and now they've got an unsanctioned match coming up. I'm not sure if it's enough to justify an unsanctioned match per se, but you know what? I'll go with it because there's definitely uh, a bit of a blood feud going on between Cole and Jericho. Um, in the same way, you know, it was like uh, Gargano and Grayson Waller on NXT. Maybe not to the extent, you know, where family got involved, but, you know, it's AEW. I think they'll justify any reason to have like a, a strong blood feud or like a, a stipulation type match just to sell a pay-per-view and this match alone I think you know outside of the Anarchy in the Arena match this is what's selling me on wanting to watch this match live because we know what Adam Cole can do in an unsanctioned scenario Scott uh, oh. you go you go from what uh, you were saying Russell Jericho and his feuds yeah I get you because 
like the only thing about this match is unsanctioned. You know that should be the ultimate feud ender in AEW, and for a long time it has been. But I feel I've this bad feeling, feeling in the pit of my stomach. This will not be the end. This will be like match one of this because like you look at him and Eddie Kingston or him and MJF's feuds. Those involved like Anarchy and the Union Stadium Stampede, Blood and Guts matches, and they still had another singles match afterwards. Like no. These are meant to be the ultimate ending feuds. Like, why are you still going with this? He is, Jericho's feuds are becoming what Dolph's feuds used to be like in WWE for a while. You go on at least three months too long. Oh, I don't really want to have to think about that feud you had with Kingston. You know, it started good. And then, you know, they, they should have just ended it on that image of Kingston coming out with the bum and the gasoline can. Covered in blood, and that should have been it, you know. But it, it, it was a never-ending scenario. But I, I, I actually agree with Dave on this one. It's probably one of the, it's, it's the two, one of the two matches I think I'm more looking forward to, purely because I feel like it's a good stage for Adam Cole, and I think that he has a path after the pay-per-view. And like as Ross said, like some Ricky Starks, who's on Rampage. You know, Rampage is the third show now on AEW. The fact he's relegated to Rampage for most of the time. It's not yeah. a good sign for Starks. But yeah, no, Adam the, Cole is going to be probably, there's a lot of talk he's going to be challenging MGF and Wembley, which should be quite good if that's the figure. So hopefully Adam Cole goes somewhere with it. Just don't integrate them again with the outcasts. I mean, could you imagine, Ross, you'd, you'd be great for this one. Could you imagine if these two were both employed by WWE? No, Adam Cole and Britt Baker were both employed by WWE and they were integrated into a storyline together. People would be going off their nut about it. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like the Seth Becky thing again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were integrated. They were integrated into the Owen Hart Cup storyline a little bit because they won the men's and women's oh, tournaments respectively. Why not? You know, the result. Yeah, as of the result, it wasn't like it wasn't like I've been handcuffed to the ropes, and these three are battering my missus with a candlestick. I mean, come on, it's just like. No, nah, it's just like it. May, it, it was all really badly done. That type of stuff. But uh, but in terms of, she called it Austin as well. The best the best thing to happen to this feud, I think, was uh, Roddy Strong coming in. I think Roddy Strong's helped it a wee bit, it's created a different angle. But they've wisely just left, you know, Soraya and that away. And thankfully, they've left like you know Ross's favorite tag team two point away. I've not really seen them too much in this feud either. It's amazing. It's been a long time, I think, since Roderick Strong's been called the best part of anything, if I'm honest with you. Well, he's definitely not the worst part of the Undisputed Era. Bobby Fish would win that award. Where's <laughs> oh, the lag? Yeah, it's probably uh, it's probably best for the Undisputed Era he got injured when he did, because they picked up steam as soon as he got injured. Let's talk about, Scott, possibly match of the night and a match that everyone is quite excited about. So the great build... And it is a proper blood feud. The Combat Club versus the Elite. Mm. Yeah, this is the match that's had the best spell that by a country mile out of everything on this show. And, you know, it's amazing to see all four members of the BCC all heels, like Dan being a heel like he was when he first came in to EW. It's just a shame we couldn't get this kind of run with them when Regal was still with them, you know, them all being proper villains, because Regal's whole thing is he is a villain and he admits to it. And then that moment on, anyway, even though I've been kind of every so often when they go, oh, will he be back with the Beyond Bucks? Will he make up with them? Will he not? I sometimes feel like, who cares? But like that moment, you can't deny. Fucking 
Uh, Hyman Page coming out with the iPads like he's fucking Snake from Metal Gear Solid just coming out and calling them the elite and I think this is definitely the kind of feud that AEW needs right now and this is the one again I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't end here but I'm actually happy if it doesn't end here because I think we definitely need some sort of blood and guts or something more between Hangman and, and Moxley or Hangman and Danielson even mm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's by a country mile been the best thing. You can clearly tell that six of the eight men involved in this feud kind of have a big, massive say in their own creative, you know, because they don't really have anything else that Tony can really worry. He's obviously kind of just left a lot of them to go with it. And it's been well built. The Blackpool Combat Club should have been heels from the start, as Scott said. It just seems to suit them so much better. We love Utah as a wee arsehole which I think is is perfectly suited on that one. The one thing I hated about the Hangman thing, I mean, I love the Hangman moment. The biggest issue they had was, like, within a week, less than a week before that, they advertised them and showed pictures of them competing on a house show for them against bloody Big Cass. Do not do that. If you've got this big return of him coming in, have him just show up on the TV and do the moment. But it was kind of like, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it looks a bit, but Steven still, it works absolutely perfectly. Uh, the, I, I just keep, I would rather they not have done the McCallus thing either, to be fair, because I think that was really unnecessary. It's just done it. It was trying to add an extra layer and I just don't think they really need to do it. Uh, really looking I forward think, to this one. Yeah, I think the Callus thing has been done because we know Brian Danielson's history uh, with injuries. Um, he can't go forever. Brian Danielson is sort of the the mouthpiece and has been great as the mouthpiece, but Don Callis is a professional talker. Uh, Claudio's not the best talker. Moxley's not the best talker, no matter how many people online try to convince you he's the best member of the Shield. He's not. He's the third best, except it. And Wheeler Utah plays the wee dickhead really, really well, but needs maybe him specifically standing on his own has had issues and he he needs that sort of mouthpiece when he's on his own. So I think Don Callis in the long run will be quite good, but I think that could have been kept for a pay-per-view. I think that term, like a, a hot crowd in Vegas the main event, I think that would have worked so much better there. The Danielson thing is interesting, as you mentioned. He's, he's been more of the mouthpiece since the turn. He's not He's not really got involved too much in the kind of physical, you know, skirmishes. Obviously, had the point in the turn where he was really, he was getting involved. But in terms of any of the brawling aspects of it, it's mainly been the other three. Yeah. Know? So it's a big question of Danielson's kind of, fitness at the moment in terms of uh, I say fitness that was like a football terminology more than anything else in terms of how, how six weeks you... away guys don't worry 46 weeks away <laughs> it's just don't even go now it's just a case of um, how well he can go in this one I mean what what's what element is he going to have in it it's, it's quite fast like I say it's your main event it's, it's yeah. the only match on the card that deserves to be an event in the show but they'll probably put it on like third from last or something like that just, bef- just before Jade Cargill versus Taya Valkyrie. <laughs> Middle of the mid- mid-card main event. You know, that's yeah. the, the halfway main event. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, David, your thoughts on the feud? 
Uh, I think it's been quite good, actually. You know, Blackpool Combat Club's taken a new bit of a, an edge to it, you know, changing to uh, a heel stable. But, you know, right, it does miss the presence of William Regal a little bit just to give it that little extra oomph. And like you said, you know, Wheeler Utah being the wee, being the wee bam, etc., just to sort of the, the little squeaky henchman of the gang a little bit is kind of... It's, it's, it's comical at times, but it, I suppose it's kind of necessary, you know, when you've got a pretty rock solid stable like the combat club but the reuniting of the elite though hangman adam page rejoining omega and the bucks i think is uh interesting development as well makes you wonder what they'll do um going forward you know will they continue to operate as a unit or will they each have their own sort of individual programs because kenny will probably obviously want to go after don Callis and stuff and maybe want retribution against moxley from the loss in the cage match the the Bucks might go after the tag titles again against FTR, which you know, you know Tony Khan being the the mad scientist booker that he is, you know, he'll probably just do it to appease the fans, etc. Um, not sure what Hangman's direction would be after this, but if they continue to extend the the Combat Club, you know, faction warfare, I think there is some potential for some really good matches and some good storytelling, but. It does give me echoes of um, the Elite versus Pinnacle from Blood mm-hmm. and Guts, so I just hope it doesn't go down that rabbit hole a little bit. You know, it might even end up in Blood and Guts, for all we know. I think um, coming out of this, I think Hangman continuing the feud with Moxley, I think Cla- Claudio with um, what do you call it as his mouthpiece, Don Callis, going up against Kenny Omega, and that could be a great Ring of Honor World Championship feud. And we talked about uh, Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson not getting involved in the physical too much. Him and Utah going up against the Young Bucks where he can tag in and out could be a good feud. But we'll see where it goes for there. I, I agree with the three of you. Uh, should Claudio, does, Claudio does need the mouthpiece more than any of the other guys. Yeah. Um, so I'll go around. Who do we think's winning, uh, Stephen? I'm going to go for the Blackpool Combat Club. Scott? I'm going to say the Elite. Uh, David? Tough one, but I'm leaning towards Blackpool Combat Club. I think it's been all Blackpool Combat Club so far. I think the Elite get the first win, but the Blackpool Combat Club don't let it go. Um, I'm just going to, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm going to go through the card quickly and I'll just get your predictions. If you have anything to say, just a wee quick 20 seconds. Um, FTR v Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. For the love of God, I hope FTR retain Scott. I say, yeah, to anybody being tied champs except Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. So FTR all the way, <laughs> uh, Stephen. It's got to be FTR, surely. Surely, to go. <laughs> FTR to win the late 2000s TNA tag title match. <laughs> um, so for the TNA Legends Championship and a ladders match, uh, we've got Christian Cage versus Wardlow. Um, I'm going to be honest, guys. I I want Christian to win. I I am a massive Christian fan. I will not apologise for it. I would like to see him in a turtleneck ascend the ladder. <laughs> I am going to be Christian as well. I, I think Wardlow will win, but I do think that the true winner of the night will be Christian's turtle, Nick. <laughs> my heart says Christian, but my official prediction will be Wardlow because, you know, Christian loves feuding with guys who have lost their dad. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get out. He brings, uh, always, he always brings it up all the time in his promos. It does, it does. It really needs to stop, but it's one it's like a one trick pony. Uh, yeah, and it's like beating a dead horse or a dead dad. Anyway, um, fucking <laughs> hell. Uh, Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. Um this outcast feud never ends and it's kind of the reverse of Bianca versus uh, Damage Control. We wanted one of Damage Control to beat Bianca. We don't want Jamie to lose to any of these outcasts. So I'm going to go Jamie Hayter to detain, David. I'm actually going to go Tony Storm because rumours have been floating around that Jamie Hayter is injured. All right, Stephen. So she could drop it. Uh, I think Jamie Hayter needs to win it. I think if Jamie Hayter's not holding that women's title going into Wembley, I think that's a massive OG. Scott? Uh, you know what? I'm going to tentatively just say Tony Storm just to be different. You know, they could always have actually win the belt back in Wembley. So there's always that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jude Cargill versus Ty of Valkyrie. Jesus, talk about title runs that never end. Uh, I think we're all going for Jade. Jade. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to Ty because I think the whole story is like, we've got the same finisher. So I think the story might be if she loses, she lost this move because it's the exact same as the move yeah. everybody they've, else with. They've put the match on pay-per-view the last couple of cargo. She'd have not, she'd not been able to pick the last couple of pay-per-views, which makes me think they might take the belt off her. She's hit the kind of landmark on it, but I don't think this feud deserves to have a title change. So I would, I'll, 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 eat, I'll lean towards cargo slightly. I think Cargill will win, but I don't think Cargill's improved the 500 days as champion. And no, they've she's, had she's been terrible. They've had her in there with just about everyone. And yeah, she's she's not much better than your mid-card in WWE, t- to be honest with you. So, Ty Valkyrie, oh, I would... Mm-hmm. Put her on Saturday Night Smackdown or some Saturday Night <laughs> Slamdown. <laughs> uh, Gary Kernan's very own AEW show. <laughs> um, we talked about about the never ending feud guys let's let's try just give a prediction and move on the guns and Ethan Page v the Hardy Party I'm going to go the Hardy Party Uh, yeah Yeah, it's going to be the Hardy Party they wouldn't have put that stipulation in it if if they weren't going to win you know it it would be a bit of a it would even flatter than it already is going into it if (laughs) Ethan Page and the guns won Listen to the enthusiasm in our voices as we discuss this why, match. Why is this on a pay-per-view? Jay White's not on this bloody card. And this is... Don't get me started on Jay White. Like, me and Grant dedicated 10 minutes of the recent East Meets West to just talk about how much uh, how much bloody Tony can shut the bed with the uh, quiet and bloody Jay White. Hey, there's still time to add another half dozen matches to the pre-show, so it's still possible. Yeah, well, you should not be on the fucking preacher. No, I absolutely agree. Anyway, um, let's let's move on from Impact. And before we talk about... Uh, sorry, let's move on for AEW. Before we talk about Impact Under Siege and uh, NXT Battleground, Stephen, you're going to bring us the weekly Listeners League update. Yes, and if we've not sold you before on this show about joining our next Listeners League... What a great table we have for that right now. There's 13 points separating our top 13, 14 players in the Listeners League this season. It's absolutely tight as anything with five guys on above 100 already. It's going to be a fantastic season. Pretty much half the league's got Rhea Ripley Ross. So 
if you've got Rio Ripley on your team, you're pretty much, you know, guaranteed to win. And the fact uh, to be doing well, that's why so many are pretty much clustered together. Uh, the guys second, one well, of the guys on joint second place, Ross said Lachlan Higgett, Higgett, Hyatt. I can't pronounce his name. He what is my mate? Oh, I can't right. pronounce his name. Uh, I can't pronounce <laughs> his name. He has half of your team, Ross, on his team. So he's probably going to be your pick to win the full thing. He's got he is half of my team. He's doing a hell of a lot better with the other half, I can tell you that. Well, he's got Indy Hartwell, uh, Bobby Lashley and Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, who have got him 28 points. He's on 102 points, so that'll tell you how well he's, the other three guys are doing. Uh, they acclaimed Braun Breaker and Rhea Ripley. So, it is, yes, it's absolutely tight as anything. Uh, MGF, Adam Cole and FTR were high-picked ones this one, so they could be ones to watch in the coming week for that one. One guy who's not doing well, he nearly got into a main league last season, Tam McKay. He's on a measly 45 points. He's well off of the top spot. Uh, he he was clearly doing the David Hockney school of drafting. Gun for us, he's captain. Uh, Britt Baker in round six. was never going to go away. That was purely just because he picked Gunford, Dave. Don't give me that look. And no disrespect mm-hmm. to you on that particular he- one. I'll be the one laughing when Gunther retains the intercontinental title by basically slamming his whole hand through Ali's chest. <laughs> but yeah, but, but yeah, pretty much it's been a, a week really. Rhea Ripley's had some uh, appearances and that stuff, so a win for her will help kind of these kind of cluster of people go well. Uh, the guy who's top of the table, Mike Nunn, has Cody Rhodes as his captain, and uh, Cody Rhodes had his, you know, three appearances all over Raw last night, so that really helped him out in that one. And uh, an interesting tidbit, really, to, to round this off from our main league. We were all on draft night slagging David Hockney for picking the LWO as his tag team in round three. But with 10 points this season, LWO have scored more points than five of Scott's team. <laughs> they, have, they have more. They've got, that's, the 10 points is more than the seven picked up by Gallus, the five picked up by Malachi Black, the two by Candice LeRae, the one measly point so far for Adam Page, and the two points for my flop pick of the full drafts. He is QT Marshall's favourite son, Will Hobbs. I think Scott's going to send you a message in a minute saying, edit this, your fucking cell. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Moving on from the Listeners League to Impact Wrestling, Scott, you and I are really the only ones in the pod that take an interest in Impact. So we're going to take a quick five minutes just to discuss uh, the main event and then we'll do quick predictions for the rest of the card. Uh, Impact Wrestling's Under Siege coming your way Friday, May 26, from London, Ontario, Canada at the Western Fair District. Scott, the main event, Steve Macklin won the title in Canada. It was clear he was meant to beat Josh Alexander and then have a whole America versus Canada thing at this pay-per-view. However, they've been a bit lazy. I think they've kept the same script and just went, right, we'll throw another Canadian in there. And they've thrown PCO, who can barely move, <laughs> into the main event. Um, this this annoys me because you and I spoke uh, recently on TV Steve Martin's been in a TV feud for the Impact World title against Rhino, and they've discussed that Rhino's a Scott Demore guy and that Steve Macklin's trying to take out all the Scott Demore guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everything about the, the video package almost 
episode a couple of weeks ago where the match was taking place seemed to be fit for a pay-per-view. They could put this on under siege with a lot more interest. You could have just flipped these around because, again, I don't see the appeal about... He had that brief resurgence in Ring of Honor to PCO, but honestly, since then, he's showing his age more and more. Like he's in his early fifties and looks and walks with the speed of an eight-year-old. Uh, I just again I've made my feelings. Cause I don't know what else I can say about it. I think is again a sign of bloody Maxwell's tailwind has immediately gotten off to the worst start. Because I get the thing with him and Kishida why they weren't in the main event. Yana and that was the main event. But then that episode where he fought Reno, they were in the middle of the card. They had a solid angle afterwards, but he was in the middle of the card, and Dion and Jordan unsuccessfully challenging the coven at the end of the show was the main event. So it feels like Dionis Knockout's champion has been positioned more as a top star than Steve as the Impact World Champion. Honestly, I would take a rematch of Diona and uh, Jordan being the main event again over this match because I don't care if it's a no-DQ match, it's not got my interest. And I also wonder why is the main feud here seem to be Steve Macklin versus Scott Damore? Yeah, and the the annoying thing is, um, you know, Scott Demore brought Heath Slater in, who's Rhino's partner, who's a Scott Demore guy. They mentioned all the history with Scott Demore. You had an easy angle because the next Impact special is in two weeks against all odds, uh, June the 9th. You could have easily did Macklin Rhino here, then Macklin Heath, and then at Slammiversary, it looks like all roads point to Nick Aldis against uh, Steve Macklin. But what annoys me even further about this, I don't know if uh, Stephen or David have seen the promo, but he talked about um, how he could beat any Canadian wrestler. And I got a bit excited because he went, oh, you think you can beat any, even a perfect Canadian wrestler? I have the perfect person for you. And I'm thinking, oh, it's Ty Dillinger. It's perfect 10. He goes... I have a perfect creation, and it was just like, oh, for sake. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, in all fairness, you know, Sean Spears is doing some great stuff right now. You know, he was on Rampage as well in that match with Ricky Starts I was mentioning earlier. can walk to the ring and put on something more of a convincing <laughs> match, which is more than can be said for PCO. Yeah, it's... There's a lot of stuff on Impact at the minute that's not great uh, and one of them is on the pre-show um, who took out Santino Morella we found out it was Fandango that took out Santino Morella and now, Sant- uh, now Fandango's challenging Joe Henry for the Impact Digital Media Champion Scott all roads lead to Santino being Impact Digital Media Champion I mean you're the one who made that jump I don't think it's going to be for the title although I said to you the one thing about <laughs> This that I'm hopeful for is a more serious Fandango as the champion. Like he doesn't lose it to Santino because you know if if Joe drops the belt and then moves up the card to like the 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 X division or the heavyweight title, then that's fine with me. But yeah, as long as it doesn't end with Santino winning the digital media title, I'm fine with this. Yeah, uh, too too big. So there you go. Let's get started. That's good Saturday morning slam feud written all over it. If you've got the former Santino and the former Fandango going at each other for the TBS, sorry, the the Digital Media Championship, it's... I I just can't get the image of bloody Santino and Fandango going after a championship like in 2023. 
Yeah, it's, it's not... like all the worst aspects of comedy wrestling in the early 2010s, late 2000s is coming back to haunt me. <laughs> well, there is some good stuff on this card, though. There's Donna, Deanna Perrazzo and Jordan Grace. Uh, if Grace loses, she can no longer challenge for the title when Perrazzo is champion. We've got Trey Miguel defending the X Division Championship against Chris Sabin. We've got a six-man scramble to determine the number one contender for the Impact World Champion, which is Alex Shelley, Eddie Edwards, Frankie Kazarian, Jonathan Gresham, Yuyu Yamora, and Moose. Uh, Nick Aldis and Trinity make their Impact Wrestling pay-per-view debuts. Trinity's going up against Giselle Shaw and Nick Aldis against Kenny King. And then Scott, the most random of random matches, Bullet Club, Ace Austin and Chris Bay defending the Impact World Tag Titles against Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I know, it's just so random. Like, there's so many tag teams in like, Impact. You've got Machine Guns and you've got like Decay and you've got so many tag teams kind of bubbling away. And like, it feels like the only actual Impact teams that Ace and Bay have defended their titles against is like the Machine Guns because they fought like, in TMDK when they came in twice. They defended against Aussie Open as part of Multiverse United and now they're having this match. Having said that, which is I didn't really care for them talking-wise, when they were in NXT UK, Marco Andrews and Flash Morales were a hell of a tag, and they had that great triple threat with Grizzled Young Vets and Gallus and Cardiff. So this has potential to actually be a match of the night, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's good to see the guys back in America. I think had it not been for the pandemic, I think those guys could have moved to NXT full-time and certainly moved up the card. But that is impact. Before we get to discussing Battleground, we had our big question the week last week. It was regarding Bray Wyatt asking, is Bray Wyatt worth the hassle that WWE are putting themselves through for him? It seems that Bray Wyatt is still up in the air, but he's having a writer brought in to, to work with him. Um, David, you commented as well, and I'll I'll come to you for your comment as well. But Jack Graham said when we asked, "Is Bray Wyatt worth it?" Um, he said, "As of just now, unfortunately, no. The original story with Uncle Howdy was captivating, and it elevated Ellie Knight so much that he he was now fully over with the universe. The Royal 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 Rumble happened, and that match left a lot to be desired. And now, currently offered an illness and no return in sight." Well, definitely question marks around him. The only upside is that when he can come back, everyone will be glued to the story. It will be such a big draw, so it's still time to prove his investment worthwhile. Ryan Dalgleish said, The Uncle Howdy story was intriguing, but too slow. There's still a payoff for it, but obviously the illness is unfortunate and stopped it all. I hope to see him again soon. Callum Bennett said, Yes and no for investment. Yes, as he's popular amongst fans, merch sales and a gifted wrestler. However, no, as he's derailed his stock due to injury. Uh, Alan Lucas said, absolutely not. I've personally never been a fan of Bray Wyatt. I must be in the minority of that. However, I've always felt he knows how to create an incredible spark and get over very quickly, but drops into jobber status even faster. He's completely inconsistent for me. His promos drag on and are full of nonsense, and I feel his matches don't live up to the hype. Fiend had real potential to uh, be this generation's Undertaker Kane character, but collapsed as quickly as it got over. I can't really argue with that. Uh, Robert Scott Shaw said, in a word, yes. He generates a ton of merchandise sales and was brought back with a big deal. I don't think Wyatt's a great wrestler, but he's weaved stories so well. That said, since coming back, I've not really brought into the gimmick with Uncle Howdy, and I'm all for 
slow builds, but Wyatt's story on his return was a little too slow for my liking. Um, he also says, the person I feel sorry for the most is Alexa Bliss, should have, have effectively had her career ruined with all the upheaval of Wyatt. Uh, Michael Clothier says, Bray's always worth the investment uh, with the volume of merch shifts, but what needs to be there when he returns is a happy medium in the creative. His ideas are fantastic, but he needs to get to the point a little quicker, sometimes less talking, a little bit more walking. That's coming for someone who's a huge Bray Wyatt fan. However, when he returns, I just want him to see him healthy in every way. Uh, David, I'll come to you because you commented... He's been cursed throughout his WWE tenure with multiple injuries and booking decisions out of his control. The Fiend was a potential gold mine, but again, WWE shat it with Rollins. The Rollins feud and losing to Goldberg. There may, may be one last chance to save it all. Uh, all that effort went into bringing him back, but all parties need to be invested with the character, especially Wyatt himself. Hmm. Yeah. Like, this, I've always found a bit of intrigue with Bray Wyatt. You know, he's been the most... One of the most captivating characters WWE's been pulling off, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, NXT rocking chair Bray Wyatt, whether it's been, you know, The Fiend, etc. You know, and I stand by the fact I think The Fiend's been the best incarnation of Bray Wyatt thus far. It just became a victim of circumstance, you know. He was booked into the Universal title feud too quickly, booked into Hell in a Cell too quickly. The ending of that finish was Vince and Vince alone, and he just fucked it up right from the word go. Because and just from the fan investment alone, you could tell, you know, Bray Wyatt was becoming a, a bit of a cult hero to a lot of fans. You know, having that, you know, Jekyll and Hyde-esque persona and you know, having him shift merch sales like nobody, that's what you know is the making of, you know, a big name star. In WWE, I mean, sure, he was, you know, multiple world champions before, but the way he was booked to win them, though, it just felt like, you know, WWE hit the panic button just to appease the fans in a lot of ways. But like I said, the Hell in the Cell feud, the Saudi finish when he won the Universal title and then losing it to Goldberg at the very next Saudi show, it just completely derailed his stock and. I don't think he ever really fully recovered. You know, the injuries and the illnesses as well just started clocking up. And um, he's obviously had to take time off as well to because he took Brody Lee's death very seriously. And, you know, not much can be done about that. But he needs plenty of support. He needs plenty of uh, investment. And there is still a chance to save it, especially if you know, coming back, it was just too slow. Like all those comments said there made a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I think I think what needs to happen with Bray Wyatt is he, he needs to be brought in on the creative process. However, Triple H really needs to rein it in because with Vince at the helm, there wasn't enough storytelling. It was sort of just spooky, spooky, spooky. Whereas with with him on his own, it seems like there's too much backstory, and eventually you're going to have to get in the ring and wrestle. I think Bray Wyatt's a really good wrestler. However, I think we need to speed this storyline along because it eventually comes down to how many times can we be here with Bray Wyatt 
and then not actually look at it and go, no, actually, it's not everyone else, it's him. Um, yeah, you can't just you can't just rely on the supernatural stuff because it's like with Undertaker. You know, the spooky gimmick was was half the battle, but you get him in the ring and you thought, holy shit, this guy can can go. Like, and if they can easily do that with Bray Wyatt as well, um, but you know, there has to be a, a balance between the two. And by no means is he a like jobber status. You know, he's he's at least upper mid card. You know, when he's booked correctly. Yeah, I agree. You know what we should do? Stop trying to make him the next Undertaker. Make him the next Kane. All Kane needed was a bit of pyro, and that was it. Million mash sold, and we were done. What, what is Kane's gimmick? He hates everyone, and he's angry all the time. Cool, let's go with that. And that was it. <laughs> um, and he's an arsonist. Yeah, exactly, and he's an arsonist. Um, but this week's big question we're going to put on the socials is quite simple. It's just simply... What match are you most looking forward to from this week's four pay-per-views? Could be a match from Under Siege, could be a night for, match from Night of Champions, could be a match from Double or Nothing, or it could be a match from the next pay-per-view we're going to round us off with, which is NXT Battleground. NXT Battleground coming your way. NXT back on the road, Lowell, Massachusetts at the Tosonga Centre. I've obviously not said that right, but anyway... Um, a five-match card. We've got Carmelo Hayes defending the NXT title against Bron Breaker. Uh, either Roxanne Perez or Tiffany Stratton going up against Cora Jade or Laya Valkyrie in the tournament final for the NXT Women's Championship. Noam Dar against Dragon Lee for the NXT Heritage Cup in a British Rules match. Wesley, Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy in a triple threat match for the North American Championship. And Dragon Off v Dijak in a last-man-standing match um, Stephen, I was always going to watch this instead of Double or Nothing simply because I don't have to pay for this, I already pay for the network and it's going to be a lot shorter show however, this show has more more storyline build and more matches that I'm invested in than the nine match card of what is meant to be AEW's second biggest pay-per-view Yeah, normally it'd be an easy win for an AEW pay-per-view and these kind of head-to-heads with NXT shows in the, in the last few couple of years. But yeah, the I, I wouldn't say the NXT card, uh, background card's amazing, but I'm just a bit underwhelmed by the double enough one. It's kind of, I would probably, I, I, like you, This is, it's an easier watch because of the network. If you don't have the network, if you don't have the network or that, then it's a toss-up. But yeah, there is a couple of intriguing matches definitely on this card for me. I quite like the idea of uh, Norm Dar versus Dragon Lee. I think that's one that I would never have expected to have seen on a card two, uh, f- about three months ago. But I'll be interested to see how Dragon Lee does, especially in the British Rules style match. That could be interesting. Uh, and um, the other one is the finals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament. I'm really intrigued to see what direction they go. I personally think it should be anybody bar Roxanne Perez. I mean, I think Roxanne Perez is brilliant, but she's already had the belt. I think for NXT moving forward, it'd be good to get the belt on any of the other three. Uh, preferably one of the two heels, I think, Cora Jade or Tiffany Stratton, I think would be great champions for the next kind of generation of the NXT, especially after losing so many stars in the draft. Well, let's talk about the Women's Championship first, David. Um, Roxanne Perez did come out on top uh, over Cora Jade in their feud. Um, 
it could be good to do the rematch at Battleground and if Cora Jade come out on top this time, both women now former NXT champions and then that can set up a future third rubber match in the future. If you want to go back to Roxanne Perez, that's fine. But I, I'm with Stephen. I don't think we should be jumping right back to her as champion after and they had to vacate the title. Yeah, I'm all for the generation of Jade to win this match. I think Cora Jade, you know, she's been a bit of a workhorse ever since turning heel, that she hasn't really earned her dues up until this point. And I think this is a huge opportunity for her to really establish herself as the number one woman on the brand. But I wouldn't count, I think it's. I think the final will be Cora Jade Roxanne too. But I wouldn't count out Tiffany Stratton just yet. I think she's been, you know, making some waves as of late. And I, and I remember when she got introduced, you know, I thought, oh, God almighty, here we go. It's just another, like, dumb blonde bimbo who lives off of daddy's credit card and stuff. But no, she's actually proven herself to be pretty well-rounded in the ring and she's got moves to, to back it up. She definitely uh, has the credentials to be a future champion, but just, just not yet. I think not when you've got Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez in the mix there. Um, Lyra Valkyria for me hasn't really lit the world on fire at this point. I think she's just sort of there to be the the fourth body in this tournament. So ideally, I want Cora Jade to win it, but I wouldn't be against Roxanne making it two for two and then having a, a third rubber match. Scott, what about you? Do you see this being Roxanne Cora final? Or do you think any of the other women have a chance? Well, it's nice to see that Dave's came around on Tiffy Strand. Clearly he's had a Tiffany epiphany, as she likes to say. You can see they're going to be Roxanne v Cora or Tiffany v Lyra. And I think if you want more storyline driven, then yeah, you do Cora versus Roxanne. And I actually think the more we've talked about it, I'm kind of convinced that Cora should win it because uh, when she was a face, she didn't really have much going for her. They tried to build her up and all the they they basically based one of the worst war games in the women's division around her being injured for half of it. She had her opportunities against Mandy Rose, she failed. And then she since she's turned here, she's not really gained anything more from it. So her finally having a title to back up her new heel persona, I think would be the best thing for her. And then Roxanne's probably better chasing the title than she is having it. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about what's potentially going to be the main event. Carmelo Hayes defending the championship against Braun Breaker in the rematch. Surprised to not see Braun go up in the draft, Scott. Um, however, it's they've kind of changed it from the WrestleMania weekend. Carmelo Hayes now firmly a face. Braun Breaker now firmly a heel. Yeah, definitely. I think the way they've done it has been really well done. You know, basically doing what everyone's been telling them to do for ages, make him more Steiner-like, basically. And I think this the fact that they've kept him is not only to help build a marquee rematch for this next uh, show for NXT, but they've been... Sorry, you froze there a minute, Scott. Will you just fix that? I'll just go to Stephen just now. That, um, Yeah, making Braun Breaker more Steiner-like, leaning into his lineage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a, a wise, wise move to do it because for, they were craving for months. You know, turn the guy, turn him. He's getting too generic. We know he's good, but what can he do? But yeah, it's been a pleasant surprise. And Camelo was getting really, really popular too. So yeah, it worked out both ways. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, David, yeah. thoughts on this? Braun sticking around for a little bit longer just to solidify Carmelo that little bit extra. I think it will probably be worth the investment before Braun gets called up to the main roster. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Um, I'm just going to quickly uh, go between you two, David and Scott. Just We're going to quickly round it off and... Just get your predictions for the other three matches. Uh, Nomdar, Dragon Lee, I think Dragon Lee needs a big statement win. David, do you think the same? Oh, I think this one could go either way, to be honest. I think I haven't seen Noam Darren for so long, you know, but he might just pull out a surprise win against uh, the upstart Dragon Lee. Okay, Scott? I don't think a lot of people who watch me actually know what the Heritage Cup is. I think Dragon Lee's should be going for one of the top two men's titles. I think they go the full distance, like all six rounds. So they're basically dark and hold on to the belt via draw, but Dragon Lee still looks amazing because he went the full way. So I've seen a draw, but... Sorry, you go. Well, a draw, but technically it would be a no-arm line because he would technically retain. So, Stephen? I would love to see Dragon lead out, but I think yeah, they'll find some way to get no arm to keep it because obviously he's just came into it. I don't think it would help him to lose. I don't get to help you, he lose. I think Scott's idea for the draw is quite good. Dragonoff, Dijak, last man standing. Um, I think Dragonoff, but Stephen, I think Dijak loses. It's it's not looking good since the reboot. I think a Dijak win could benefit him here. There, I think there's a good chance that Dragonoff could go up. There's a lot of rumours for him being the, a fifth man in Imperium. So, yeah, I would like the Dijak to actually win this feud and then maybe Dragonoff to go up eventually. I don't think Dragonoff needs it. Dave? Uh, I think Dijak needs like a North American title win at some point down the line. Losing to Wesley, I don't think that him any favours, but if Dragonoff's also going to move up to SmackDown, then he will need to win this, like Dijak does. Scott? I don't think either of them have really had that many big wins since their returns to NXT. I'm going to go with Dragunov, and I'm hoping for this to be a Gunther Sheamus-style big men beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> um, Just quickly, Wesley, Tyler Bate, Joe Gacy, David? Wesley. Stephen? Joe Gacy. Scott? Tyler Bate. Yeah, I'll go Tyler Bate as well. I think the time's come for him to win something. Right, that's going to do it. We've rounded off all four pay-per-views <laughs> in painstakingly detailed fashion. Thank you very much to my panel for joining me tonight. Uh, don't forget, if you want to listen to our back catalogue, it's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes. Uh, I nearly said Anchor. That's not a thing anymore. iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And remember, if you want to listen, uh, get involved in the conversation and get involved in our big question, which this week is, which pay-per-view are you most excited for? Then it's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us, and we'll speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.